0: Welcome to the very first, technically third, first episode of the Champions Way podcast. I finally have a name for this thing, for this little thing I'm doing. It's uh, it's nice. It's nice to have a thing. Uh, It's nice to have a name. Um, I have got a really bad track record with keeping consistent on things uh, like this. So hopefully, now that I've got a name for it, it'll be A OK we're on track uh for those wondering the champions way uh used to be a facebook and then eventually a discord group that i ran um i've created it and moderated it to uh help me keep connecting with all my role playing game friends so people play Dungeons and dragons and the like uh they uh you know i for them with them share homebrews and their characters and their stories and it was nowhere near as active as i would like to it like liked it to have been but uh, you know (laughs) i can't force my friends to partake in the activities i want them to Uh, it's not like i'm uh, still bitter about that or anything i'm not not bitter bitter, i swear here we are champions way podcast hopefully there isn't actually a podcast out there for this because if there is i do have a backup plan champions way tavern podcast because that was the full name of the of the group uh so i uh you know, I can fall back on that because I guarantee there wouldn't be a champion's way to happen podcast. It's just they, they can't be. They're really over. Really there are so many podcasts in the world. So many. Actually, that I wonder if you took all the podcasts in the world and combined their entire length, how long would that be? Like how much time would it be to listen to every single episode of every single podcast ever? Like, longer than a human lifespan, right? Like, at this point, right? Right? It have to be. There's just so much out there. So, what are we doing today, you might be wondering. Well, I thought if I was going to have a podcast named after a, essentially a Dungeons and Dragons themed group that I ran on Facebook, I would, today, talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Because I really haven't had the chance to do that in any, uh, like, extensive or explorative manner on youtube yet uh, not on this channel or even my own channel that i used to have so why not use this opportunity now let's talk about what got me into dungeons and dragons what was my first role-playing game What was my first character uh the impact different games had on me that sort of stuff i thought it'd be really fun to, to actually explore that and it was fun for me to personally sit down and go what games have I been a part of and what have I done in that time? And yeah, I've done a lot of role-playing games uh, because I've literally been doing it since I was 10 years old and I am closer to 25 than I am 24 now. So almost 15 years. A decade and a half of this. So yeah, there's a lot of stories (laughs) uh, I can share. And I'm not going to remember all of them because I don't have like a back catalogue of all of them. I wish I did. I wish I had the foresight or the energy to have a, like a book or something where I cataloged every single thing that I did uh, role-playing-wise because it would be so cool to look back and see all that. And I, I just don't. Before we get into that, however, I do have something I want to share that was a little bit unexpected. Uh, so there is a very lovely gentleman who works at one of my local Zing pop cultures. And me and him, we have had experience. Extensive conversations about Marvel collecting, you know, action figures, collectibles, uh, and actually also Dungeons and Dragons. And at one point in time, after talking about board games and Dungeons and Dragons, he mentioned he had a book. Uh, and this is a copy of his book. That is uh, really poor on the lighting there. Um, is it going to be better if I get closer a little? That is the book. Right, uh, There's the book cover. He did the cover himself. Uh, the book is called Salvation, Act 1. Prophecies. The first act in a three-act tale set in the Dimension Verse. Uh, it is my kind of nonsense by the sounds of things. Uh, it's fair <laughs> to see, pure and simple. It uh, seems to be rooted a lot in, like, you know, the sort of typical, I'm not sure what you'd call it, but like, the Christian-Catholic uh, biblical mythology. So, uh, you know, there's stuff about heaven, angels, demons. Um, you know, there's, the, there's uh, an elite group of demons known as the seven deadly sins. Uh, and the say, the main story seems to be centered around changing one's fate and changing one's own destiny and fighting against the, the machinations of uh, a future that has been set in stone. And I think that is really fun. Mostly because the idea of fate, realistically, is terrifying, but it is a fun basis for a fantasy book. So, I haven't had a chance to read this yet, Uh, and I don't know how long it'll take me, because I'm not an avid novel reader, and there's 594 pages! That's a lot of pages, my word, this is a three-part series, too. I don't know how long an average novel actually is, but this is a thick boy, it's a weighty boy. But yeah, I uh, picked this up from him because he said uh, he'd bring a copy to show me, and he did, and I asked him how much for a copy, and he said, because there's actually a printing error on the side here, uh, hard to see in that lighting, but the, the, the spine should be a little bit more over this way. Um, yeah, um, he gave it to me for technically nothing at the moment. I haven't paid him. I just told him I would give him the money for it uh, when I saw him next, and he said, oh, okay, cool, boom, here you go. What a gentleman, lovely, trusting human being, and I promise his trust will not be misplaced. But yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure you can actually buy copies of this book online, which if you can, uh, there will be a link to where you can get it here and probably in the description and the comments below, uh, shouting out a absolute gentleman, a lad, and yeah, hopefully this is um, worth the read. Uh, but that is not for me to judge, that is for you to judge if you get hand, your hands on this book you read a copy of it you like what you read that's for you to decide uh me personally i'm probably gonna like it because it does sound like my kind of nonsense so yeah all right without further ado let's get on to what this podcast was originally meant to be let's take a quick drink because talking hurts uh this is a, a little lovely Ale mug. My mum got me from uh, the actual Hobbit Town, from actual honest to God New Zealand. that uh, she went and visited when she went over there for softball, and I haven't been out to visit her yet. So I'm jealous still, and actually even more fun. Um, it's an ale mug. This is the first time I'm drinking any form of ale out of it. It is ginger ale, not a an alcoholic ale, not an actual you know, beer or anything. Just um, it's, it's essentially a soft drink, but. Uh, on yeah, um, a little facts history making right here alien and ale all right so why did I start playing role-playing games when did I start role-playing Well, like I said when I was about 10 years old my friend who I will refer to by his screen name demonic incursion he uh brought me over to his house one day and showed me a <laughs> it was like a toolbox essentially it was a like a that case, like a, it was um like a drill case almost. Um, clipped it open and flipped it up, and, he sh- and there was all these minis, like little little minis and dice. And he was like, "This is my dad's Dungeons and Dragons stuff." And I'm like, what is Dungeons and Dragons? And he explained it to me, and I was like, "I like it's like a video game that you play with paper and pencil, and you use these minis to represent the the character." And I was like. So it's a game that uses a lot of imagination. He's like, yeah, but you get to make your character. He's like, yeah, you can do that. I'm like, okay, that's really cool. Can we play Dungeons and Dragons? And he's like, sure. Yeah, we can play Dungeons and Dragons. We didn't play Dungeons and Dragons. We played a homebrew game that we essentially kept calling Dungeons and Dragons. We didn't play like third edition or 3.5 or fourth edition or anything at the time. We played a homebrew that Demonic Incursion had created. And I don't know how well ba- how well like balancing wise it is because we we're ten, uh, and you know we don't I don't think we have a copy of any of his system anymore. But uh, it was fun. I remember it being a lot of fun. I remember loving playing that initial game, which is guess You know, a huge part of the reason why I'm still playing role playing games today. Uh. He dungeon mastered, but also made a character because we were doing just, you know, me and him playing. It was just us, so he dungeon mastered and was a player at the same time. We managed that somehow. Uh, And he made a Necromancer, uh, which he just literally called it after his own name. Uh, (laughs) I, on the other hand, my first character, uh, his name was Canis Forscar. And uh, he was a lichen, you know, like an underworld type, uh, Rise of the Lichens style lichen. He had all the he, he could control his transformations and all these abilities about like summoning wolves and you know increasing the damage he does with his claws and you know setting his his claws on fire to, to do fire damage and all that really like nonsensical stuff that is like like peak. Like you look back at it, you go like, oh. Oh, that is so lame but we were so enjoying those games and we loved those characters and we loved the stories we told of those characters and it was the greatest story ever told as far as uh, we were concerned at the time so you know look back at it now a bit of a oh okay wow uh canis forscar the lichen who can summon packs of we fiery claws cool that's uh that's something else but to to us that was the best thing ever and it obviously must have had an impact because it inspired us to spend the rest of our lives playing role-playing games so eventually my friend got sick of being the only dungeon master between the two of us as is the case for every dungeon master eventually you just want to be a player and uh, my friend within a year basically was like could you dungeon master a game? And I said sure. And then for like half a year I didn't. And he's like, okay, are you going to dungeon master a game or not? And I eventually went, fine, give me a week. So I went about trying to make a uh, something a bit different than he had done. Uh, I wanted a quest line centered around a a core villain, like a you know a BBEG, but specifically just for this game, this BBEG character. I wanted to make a a character that I could really really sink my teeth into and get really like hammy and and intense and wild with. So I created a demonic jester called Dimitri. Now, I didn't know this at the time of designing him. I literally drew Dimitri and I didn't know this at the time, but uh, I look back at the drawings and at the character design and some of the elements of the character and realized I had taken elements of my favorite supervillains from comics and threw it all together. So I borrowed Two-Face's halfway design. Uh, Dimitri had half a mask and half a face. Um, I borrowed, obviously, elements from the Joker, as you can imagine, with that big smile, Uh, the most famous and beloved evil clown in pop culture. Um, I also took elements from my personal favourite supervillain, the Green Goblin. Uh, I took his, almost entirely his his costume from the neck down. So I'm talking the... um, I'm talking the belt, I'm talking the gloves that come down to here, I'm talking the the boots that curl at the end. Uh, that, and it all worked really well for a jester. Uh, rather than scale mail on his arms and his legs, he Dimitri had like tights and they were like um, like diamonds, uh, like diamond patterns, uh, you know, white and black. And his colors outside of the white and black were red and blue, which I don't know why I went red and blue, I just did. I knew red because it's striking and it's intense. I guess, I don't know why I went blue. I think it was like in my head, red and blue are like opposites in a way, which they're not. Um, but like you play like a video game, you know, like Halo, it's red team, blue team. You know, there's a lot of red and blue battling each other um, out there in the world and pop culture. So Dimitri's character was that he was a dark elf and he was actually a jester uh, in his life. Um, and he was blamed for the assassination of a drow princess. Uh, and he was, um, he was left out to dry. Um, a, uh, a brutal torture method invented by the drow, where he uh, literally hung from, uh, from, the, from, from the rooftops uh, and slowly, but surely died out there. And um, he was so angered by his uh, betrayal at the hands of the royalty that he had served for so long uh, that he returned as a demonic entity and took over the castle and the kingdom and turned all the people into his twisted uh, jester slaves. And uh, the king and the queen and all their uh, royal servants, they were fused into a wailing wall that constantly cried out in pain. And the closer you got to the castle, the louder the screams of agony were. They were music to the ears, in He loved the sound of the
1: trolls,
0: pained screams. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Uh, as an 11-year-old with a twisted sense of uh, the world, I enjoyed making that character so much eventually i went to um i went to high school and this time i moved to high schools and a group of friends that i found at this new high school were all interested in playing dnd now i was originally going to run uh, a homebrew version of dnd for all these people but i ended up sick for a week and um they had all came to the conclusion that they would actually buy um dnd 4e i believe it was uh, i believe it's 4e yeah it was 4e because i played the dragonborn um, they, you know, one of the other players decided he would Dungeon Master buy all the assets, like, you know, buy the books and whatnot, and just run D&D proper. Uh, which, you know, I was like, alright, I was a little angry that I was not longer Dungeon Master, but whatever. I got to play Dungeons and Dragons proper. And it lasted two sessions. <laughs> that was so... Yeah. Uh... Yeah. It it was it was something. So, it, the two sessions... uh No. Three actually, I might have misspoke. Not very many sessions, um, but my initial character was a dragonborn named Scar. Scar, he was a black dragonborn, uh, and I believe that it was acid. That, that I mean, he uh, he was uh, breathing acid breath, uh, because that is super cool. A black scale giant lizard man in plate armor with a sword and shield he's just breathing acid that is so cool how could i not play that so i played that and then later on in the game we get trapped uh inside a uh one of those rooms where the walls are closing in to crush us and everyone's trying to get out of there break out do something to survive we look like we're on the brink of the tpk and our i believe it was our druid uh who shapeshifted into a fish and hid inside the bag of holding. Just like, no, nah, I'm out. I'm done, bye, see ya, fish bag. So yeah, he pee-peaced he out and that was like, well, he's not, he's not gonna be of any use. Uh, let's, let's try and get out of here. And Sky's immediate response was to screw it. That's the door that's locked on us, cool. Ran head first into it, bang. Didn't do anything, uh, because the door was made of metal, and Scar's head is made of flesh and bone, so Scar went bang, bang, and was out. Uh, yeah. Uh, He woke up screaming in pain, someone get me an aspirin, which was, uh, you know, given that this is a fantasy setting, I don't think aspirins were a thing back then, so not really suiting but again i think at this point we were like 14 15 and you know we you know none of us really were like the experienced storytellers for role-playing games that we could be now we didn't really have you know our, our, our immediate response was to do something that was funny or cool not necessarily that helped tell the best story or was blamed best to our, our characters even the dungeon masters at the time uh were like a little shaky on storytelling which is Fair enough, you know we're not meant to be great storytellers when this is our first proper D and D game. Um, so yeah, it was just a silly three sessions. Eventually, we started again, and I played a character called Titus, uh, who was this tall, powerful uh, paladin. He was a paladin, and uh, we we kind of fluffed his paladin abilities as being him being a like a like a death knight. Like, a, like he was once a paladin, but he had yet passed away. And he was a vengeful, angry death knight who had committed some horrible sin. Uh, which is why he could not pass into the realm of heaven. But hell would not accept him, so he was forced to walk the earth forevermore. Uh, and yeah, he was just a big, strong guy. Uh, that at one point I got a crit hit on a goblin with of... no hit points. So he was... He was atomized. He went, he went. The the axe went down, and both sides of the goblin went. And that was, that was that. That's my one major memory from that, um, from that specific uh, game. Titus will actually return in a later game and a play, uh, but at this point in time, um, I believe D D kind of dried up for me a little bit. Uh, we didn't do a lot of role playing games at this point. Uh, it was like at, nearing the end of high school, I believe, actually. So people didn't have much time. Um, people were starting to get jobs. And yeah, it just was an awkward time to, to get a party together. So we didn't really do much DD or any role playing games at that specific time. A couple of years later, though, we played a Warhammer 40k based uh, RPG. And I can't remember what it's called, but it's Warhammer 40k. So I imagine the word dark or heresy is in there. So, you know. Work off that. We played two games. Uh, the game one was six sessions long, and I played a character named Talk, who was from a savage world. And this was an idiot who spoke with like that Tarzan speak. Like, <clears throat> oh God, God, I can do his voice. Talk. No one told Torg about this. Why are you laughing at Talk? Talk has done nothing wrong. You know, kind of like Drax the Destroyer, but he spoke in third person. Not much came of uh, that that particular campaign there was a moment where we almost started a a panic because someone mentioned that uh tyranids might be involved in what we were doing which was a terrible idea that went really poorly uh but we were able to contain that mess uh there there was one moment that caused the the table to, to break out into laughter which will not actually be all that funny in retelling the story but you know, in the moment things happen and it seems so funny because you're in the moment and the context of the situation makes sense. So Torg was uh, very much out of place. Everyone else was like a very intelligent or very wily uh, type character in the team. And as a part of our job, we had to go to a fancy fancy dress ball essentially. Uh, And no one wanted Torg there because Torg could not do subtle. Uh, and he would certainly bring attention to himself, and they did not want that. So no one actually told him what they were going to do, that there was a fancy dress ball or anything. They were going to try and keep it secret from him and try and keep him away from it all, uh, which I thought was funny enough for me not to be uh, upset as a player. So I, I played along until it was let like, slip in front of him. And I looked at the player as Torg, and I went, you didn't tell me, you didn't tell Torg that there was a fancy dress ball. Dance going on. Torg is yeah. a great answer. Torg will, Torg will come and Torg will make sure things don't go wrong. Well. And the player turns to Torg and goes, Torg, look, oh, we need things to be subtle. You know, we need to go, things need to be quiet. Well, all well, the talk will go very quietly. And for some reason that that line, Talk will go very quietly said in the loudest whisper possible, made everyone at the table laugh. Um, it just it's it was this this eventual punchline to a joke that no one knew they were telling. And those kinds of moments really helped reinforce why I love role-playing games. Moments like that where things are so cool or so funny, and you know, just reminiscing about those kinds of things reminds me why i'm still playing with my names today not not because i ever forget why but it's just like i go, man that is such a that's such a memory there was such a moment of pure joy shared by everyone uh, so yeah i i'll always remember that little story even though it will never have the effect of making anyone else laugh because it doesn't really have the same impact when you're not there in that moment uh but then we played another
1: <laughs>
0: Warhammer well, 40k game and we lost one session and it was because me and one of the other players were like, we do not want to be a part of this. Because session one, the dungeon master, or okay, the games master I should say, it's not Dungeon and Dragons, the games master, insisted that the first session, the entire four hours of the first session, be devoted to imperial bureaucracy we were doing paperwork, we were signing our name, we were reading rules and regulations and guidelines and waiting in line to talk to bureaucrats. We were literally doing the most boring possible thing, all of which could have been left to the pregame or the, the prologue or the prelude or just as an asset out of the game and legislation, you go through all the rules and regulations and you sign all these papers and you are now fully, uh, Uh, you know, signed off as having authority in in this situation. And it was not the case. Uh, We didn't do it like that. We just sat through it and did it in real time. And it was the most boring, frustrating, mind-numbing thing I think I've done. It's probably the worst session of any vault name I've ever played. Because that was just so purely, purely the most boring thing ever at least like a bad session as far as like a bad story can at least provide some joy um this however could provide nothing and i will it was like oh no okay uh so yeah that was terrible uh and i haven't played a warhammer 40k rpg since not because of of avoidance but just because it's never come up again uh I've also played Shadowrun. Actually, I've played Shadowrun. I played, uh, I want to say, one game of Shadowrun. And it was across about four sessions. Not much happened. I don't even remember my character. I do remember how we do that for some... <laughs> I don't know why I, remember, I don't remember anything, my character, the story, what, what we were doing. But I remember one thing, and that was that playing this game taught me what terminal velocity was. See, I didn't know what terminal velocity was. And at one point in time, we're fighting on this massive skyscraper, and my character beats an NPC off the side of the building. And I just I turn to the GM and I go, Is he is he dead? And the GM goes, You know, rolls a dice. So, yeah, no, he doesn't grab onto anything. He just falls. Um, and he's going to hit the ground and take a lot of damage. So he's dead. And I'm like, how far did he just fall? And the DM was like, well, I don't know, but I'd have to say he's probably hit terminal velocity because we're pretty high up. And I'm like, what is terminal velocity? So I Googled it. And then and then I was like, I like did the math. And I'm like, how high is this building? And he's like, yeah, it mean, is. He's like, oh yeah, he hit terminal velocity about 10 stories before he hit the ground. So that was neat. Uh, a, a violent, horrifying demise for this, this, this poor soul. And I also played a Star Wars game at one point. Uh, so... <laughs> Two campaigns, and if you're seeing a trend, we played a lot of things that did not stick because we were experimenting with so much, all right? Us as nerds, our experimentation, our college years, was just different role-playing game systems, different characters and different GMing styles, which was still exciting to us, so. But yeah, we played some Star Wars games. So my first character was a little, three foot tall fluffy creature, uh, and I want you to essentially imagine Momo from Avatar, The Last Airbender. Uh, and I want you to imagine that with overalls and a laser pistol. Uh, he was also Force-sensitive, uh, just to add to the nonsense that was his character. He was an engineer. Uh, he fixed the ship and fixed equipment and, and drove the ship sometimes. Uh, he, like, I want you to make, like the thought in my head was this tiny little lever thing crawling through air vents and ducts and putting wires together. And essentially rocket raccoon in that sense um so but he was small and he was cute he was well-mannered uh and so nothing like rocket Raccoon's personality uh and that was fun i got to shoot off my little laser pistol a few times i I shot a few people that was fun uh but nothing of of, uh, any uh, substance really came of, uh, of those games my second character when we played bad guys good guys uh i don't remember his name I remember he was a four-armed alien, and I'm pretty sure uh, it was Attack of the Clones, or Avengers, Sith, but I'm pretty sure Attack of the Clones. Uh, the diner that Obi-Wan Kenobi went to, the guy in charge of the diner, he had the apron on, the greasy, he had the forearms, that, that, that species of alien. I could have looked it up, but I, you know, I, I guess I couldn't be <laughs> But that species of alien, uh, and he was a pirate captain or at least sort of. He and the other guy who claimed to be the pirate captain who was played by another player um, and we were in charge of these pirates called the Blood Maggots or, you know, the uh, the, the Skull Maggots or we argued constantly about what the name was but Maggots was in the title. That's all we knew. I was uh, personally for Blood Maggots. Anyway, uh, the other captain or the second in command as far as my character is concerned it's also a cannibal, so that was some dark stuff. If you just want to have some dark stuff thrown your way, we were teenagers. So we constantly like making things either sillier or cooler or darker than it really needed to be. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's all I really remember was the characters. I also actually remember at one point in time, I was not involved for about a half an hour um, while we were playing um, this game. I got so bored that I actually went and made myself a chicken schnitzel. <laughs> I went and made myself a chicken schnitzel. Uh, I put it in the deep fryer. I no, no, not the deep fryer, the air fryer. I believe we had the air fryer at the time. Cut it into slices, put it in a wrap with like mayo and lettuce and tomato and all that, and ate that at the table. And just, just, just putting it out there, don't excuse yourself to go and make yourself dinner while you're doing um, role playing games, or at the very least do it politely and make sure everyone at the table is actually kosher with it. Or, alternatively, if you're hungry, go, hey, can we take a break? Can we go get some food? Maybe we'll order some pizza? Because it really, really ruffles feathers when you just make dinner in the middle of the game. I didn't realize that uh, at the time because we were at my house and I thought it was okay. And it wasn't, it just, it just, they weren't overly upset, but I could tell that they were just like, really man? Like you couldn't wait an hour? So yeah, fun little thing you shouldn't do if you're playing D&D. Don't just get up and make dinner, especially when you've got guests at your house and you don't offer them food. That is something you shouldn't do. Speaking of uh, people who do things they shouldn't do, I also played a homebrew that one of my friends made. This is not Demonic Incursion, who I started d and with. No, no, this was a different homebrew with a different set of friends. We played a few games of that, and the character I made for that was... A rebranded, reimagined version of Titus, my character from a couple of games ago. And Titus, I had come to sort of make him less of a death knight and more just a big, strong dude with (laughs) like no real moral complexity and poor ethical decision making. Uh, His first act upon arriving in this new town by a boat was to look at this shady guy that he'd become friends with. He was another one of the player's characters. I looked at this shady guy. There was one of my uh, other players, um, one of my other player's characters. And I was like, hey, uh, you see, uh, see that over there? That's a wishy. There's only one gun around. there. You steal. I was distracted. Titus went over, used his massive body to body block the guard and take his attention away by asking like, hey man, I'm new to this town. Can you tell me where everything is? And this other dude's off getting his feet wet, stealing all the coins that children are from using this wishing well. Um, so he was, you know, little fun things like that. Uh, later on, they uh, completed a quest. They got rewarded with a bunch of jewels. And Titus sold to a black market dealer and got a good amount of gold from it. He did not want to share that gold. So, his idea was to sell the jewels, take the gold, most of it in his bag, put a handful of it in his hand, and then look at the wall, make sure no one was looking, and then put his hand in the wall and go bang and break his nose. Um, his nose wasn't broken, it was just bloody and kind of like messed up. But he did this, leant back to the party, and went, This is all I got. And they were like, what happened? I'm like, nothing. And they were like, Titus, what happened to hurt?" And I was like, <laughs> I got mugged. There were more of them than me. I didn't see it coming They slapped my head against the wall and took, a, took the coin purse. This is, this fell out of the purse. So this is all, all I got from, uh, from my pay. Sorry, I gave them all the gold. Uh, and all the players knew that I had, that Titus had done his thing none of the other characters did so they had to they had to roleplay that they didn't realize what had happened because none of them succeeded on any sort of insight check and the players after the game i was like are you guys okay with what i just did as titans and they were like yeah we're, we're cool because we're getting to that point where we're maturing as players and getting less and less uh, offended by each other's actions in game um which is something that could totally happen uh, people get invested in role playing, and then they get frustrated with each other's characters or with situations that would be naturally, inherently, quite frustrating. Uh, so you know, they were like, "Yeah, no, that's cool, man," because they already had an idea of the type of person Titus was, and it was more like a, "Oh man, we let him be in charge of the reward type moment." So that was that was fun. Uh, another fun thing about that game actually was that uh, one of my other friends she was playing a halfling archer, and we established this tactic where Titus was like the tank, and she was actually up on his shoulder. Um, you know, kind of like Brute and Rocket Raccoon. Uh, which is the second time Rocket Raccoons been mentioned. Yeah, funny. Um, but yeah, like Brute and Rocket Raccoon from you know you've got you know that that, that visual of Groot um you know, fighting off and you know brute like with his hands and melee and rockets just on top of there with a gun firing that but like imagine a, a knight in black armor and a little halfling ranger going pew, pew, pew. Uh so that was that was charming. It was it was charming to me more than anything. And I remember it quite fondly as being quite charming. Now after a few years we finally come to my first time dungeon mastering 5e. Some time off, and finally I'm here. And I was nervous, but I felt like I had enough experience and seen all the good things and the bad things that several other Dungeon Masters had done. I need to do this right. And I just knew that there were other people at the table who knew the rules better than me. And I specifically said to them, look, I'm gonna get some of the rules wrong. I'm gonna ask you for clarification. Throughout the game. I'm gonna focus on the storytelling and the general running of the game, if you can help me with that. And they're like, yeah, 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 that's cool, too. First session went off without a hitch. Uh, there was one issue where our paladin didn't really know any of his verbal commands, any of his spells. So at one point in time he just screamed, uh, by the power of Grayskull!" which you know. Uh you know that that was not a, a chart, uh, a war cry that mastered it didn't suit the character specifically, was the other thing. Um, but yeah, that was just off the top of the said that we could think of at the moment. So, you know, he was not ready for us to be like, Well, you've got a verbal command in there, do you have a verbal command? So, quick tip if you're a wizard or a spellcaster or anyone like that, either prepare a set of generic verbal commands for your spells or describe your character doing he does his verbal commands his voice screams up high as his spell hits its peak and then he launches and whatever um you know, try and like, mow over it i try to ignore that you have to come up with verbal command either like address that a verbal command was made and just walk past it or come up with a generic list of verbal commands that would be my advice because it's going to come up uh <laughs> this game Devolved Into a lot of characters Dying or disappearing The first character who died or One character disappeared Because she just didn't involve herself In the story uh, the, char- the, the character The player decided the character Didn't want anything to do with the main quest And she walked off In session 2 That was incredibly frustrating. I was like, well, you're gonna have to make another character because this character is clearly buggered off somewhere else, right? Then that player's brother was captured by a cult. And although he could be saved, the players took the the path, the direct path towards him dying. he, He got killed by the cult. So That was a thing and the thing is when you put uh, in session one, when you're using characters who are mercenaries essentially, they have no emotional connection. Most of them don't have any moral like um, intent. Putting their lives in each other's hands for sometimes is like basically saying, all right, which player is going to die in session one because there's no reason for them to be emotionally connected or have any reason to, to save each other. Oh, we died. Well, I guess that means more money for me when we complete the quest. You know, is 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 the best you're gonna get, really. So that's something as a DM I learn. you have morally ambiguous or cruel or evil or money hungry characters who don't care for each other's uh, well being, don't force them into situations where they are more guaranteed to die if the characters don't make the right decisions. Uh, you know, don't avoid potentially lethal combat. Um, but you know, stuff like having someone captured by cults and the players having to make a decision that would save their lives. That is never going to go right. Ever going to go right. <laughs> then the character, the, the player who had a character who walked off from the party decided they were going to make a particularly racist elf <laughs> who started spouting racist comments about Dragonborn in front of the Dragonborn cleric uh, who had a temper. So the Dragon Ball Cleric just kind of whacked the elf and killed him. Uh, we had a party kill. Um, and as a DM, the unfortunate problem that you run into sometimes is that it's you, I felt like I couldn't force their hand in that situation. I felt like if I forced them not to kill each other, I'd be taking the power of choice away from my players. As a dungeon master today i would totally use the power of the dungeon master to avoid a character death because i felt that that was like like especially in like only the second session of having this new character that was something that i would not go with um i would i'd would rather have time with these characters and, and learn and develop and, and help you know if your players make like strange or immature decisions sometimes you as a dungeon master it's going to sound bad. You as a Dungeon Master kind of have to play the role of like, all right, let's, let's sort of teach the player that, in this, at least in these games, that is not the way to act in, in these situations. Uh, you know, you don't uh, intentionally entice other players to to kill you. Uh, you don't intentionally kill other players either. Um, find some way to ensure that this does not go down that path. But... Right? Uh, And also, actually, another fun little thing I found out throughout all these games, uh, as a dungeon master, if you give the party a companion, the the companion should not be more powerful or more important than the party. Uh, They can have more of a connection to certain elements that give them some level of importance, but they should not... Like, if they're traveling with the party... um, they should not be the ones taking over glory. And big part way to avoid that is having them separate from the party mid-mission or having them not be as powerful as the rest of the party and giving them a very simple list of, of, of attacks and commands and maneuvers that they can do that you can just throw out as a DM and have them play a, a supportive role uh, in the fight. Like It's very tempting as a DM to essentially insert a, a, an NPC... Uh, as, a, as a very powerful character to assist the party but what it actually ends up doing is taking away uh, the focus and the uh, storytelling um, the strength of storytelling from the players so that's another thing I figured out rather yeah, quickly uh, as a DM um, you know, just from my own experiences as a player and I just thought I'd throw that tip out there because it's one that I feel like some DMs struggle with uh, if you're going to give your party a companion don't let your companion be too powerful or um, outshine the, the players because it defeats the purpose of the players being there in the first place. Eventually uh, I was invited to another d game but this time we played online which is new to me. I never played online. We started with uh, Tabletop Simulator and eventually we moved over to Roll20 which is the website that we currently use for uh, all of our online games. And This game had a lot of characters I played, that I made, that I really liked, uh, including, uh, there was Alphadex Nielos, who was a drow gladiator, and he, you know, drow, you know, they they live in the dark, and he was a slave gladiator forced to fight while the sun was high in a desert, so his skin was all wrinkled and burned, and his eyesight was poor, and, uh, He had a really rough voice, uh. That I literally, uh, literally, the voice was uh, an attempt to mimic the ghouls from from Fallout. And I would, uh, before a game would start, make sure I had the right voice for for Next by, uh, going Hey, smooth skin, Hey, smooth skin, Hey, smooth skin, Hey, smooth skin,
1: Hey, smooth skin, like literally that, until eventually I had the voice for Alphanix. Uh which was this rough, old, you know, airy voice because his throat was burned from all the sand, dust, uh, sun that was literally burning him every day of his life.
0: And that was fun until I realized I uh, was hurting my throat doing that. So eventually I asked to change characters. And when I did, I changed to another character I really liked, called... Nathaniel Snaid. Well, at the time, he was just called Nathan, but eventually I recalled his name to Nathaniel, because I thought Nathaniel was a cool name uh, for this character. But Nathan Snaid uh, is and was a cowboy from another dimension, a steampunk dimension. So he he came through a portal that brought him into this fantasy world, uh, a world of science, and he came to a world of magic. Uh, and he had, you know, he had his pistol and his bullets and ammunition, which he could make, and it was just a lot of fun you know, playing a Played a cowboy, and uh, Snape's <clears throat> voice was a, a very poor attempt to mimic the uh, Kree, uh, uh, not a very good mimic of McCree, uh, but it was an attempt, and eventually evolved into its own thing uh, that was further and further away from a McCree voice uh, attempt, but um, that was the initial inspiration because... <laughs> I chose Cowboy because at the time, the Overwatch Halloween event uh, was was on, and I was playing a lot of McCree in the Junkinstein Revenge game mode. And I think that year he had the Vampire Hunter skin, which I thought was really cool that he had like a, it was like a Cowboy Vampire Hunter. I thought that was a cool thing, so that's what I kind of remember uh, in d d So that was, those were two of my favorite characters. That game fizzled out because we had players play characters that constantly argued um and there was so much stress and i learned quickly some things as a dungeon master that i would have done to help alleviate these stresses and things as a player that i would have done and one specific thing i have learned from that game specifically fizzling out the way it did communication with your dungeon master, with your fellow players, or as a dungeon master with your players, communicate, always talk, always ask. I think so often um, we would constantly feel like we need to keep things secret because we wanted these big story and character reveals and awesome moments, or we had to you know, not offend each other by saying, hey, your character, we're not really jiving with that. Uh, you know, jiving? <laughs> we're not really, I'll give you Uh We're not really, you know, that's not really working. Like, do you mind switching or least changing the way you play the character? be honest with your players um, with how they play because most often they want to play and if you can't tell your players or your fellow players or your dungeon master hey, you're doing this wrong or you're doing this in a way that we don't enjoy not wrong, but for us we're not enjoying this Um, here's what we don't like can we change it? that is if they can't take that criticism there is very little point in playing them anyway because they're not going to provide you a game that you enjoy Regardless, right? If you're not enjoying the game and they refuse to admit that they're, they're playing it in a way that you don't enjoy and don't even want to try and figure out a way to make it fun, that's that's a lost cause. So always communicate, always be willing to communicate. And if someone is not willing to communicate back or is, is wanting to uh, fail to take any form of like discussion or even like, criticism, or even just discussion, not even criticism, just discussion about things, uh, that is not great. You need to be able to discuss on these things, all right? Uh, like any, like any genuine adult relationship, personal, professional. You need to be able to communicate. So, Dungeons and Dragons is no different. And I found that out because that game basically could have been salvaged, believe well, it's salvaged, saved. If if we just all decided to, to talk and go, hey, this is relevant really the wrong way. Uh, thankfully, it was. The game that ended and not like anyone's friendship no one's friendship was ruined through that specific game that dungeon master then started again and was invited all the same players back and i played a half orc fighter named Rock and i loved Rock because he was he was just a dad his whole thing was that he was searching for his missing wife and child who had to flee from a dictator king and torok stayed back to fights and now that the fighting was over, he was now looking for his wife and child. And he didn't even know if he'd ever find him again. But he was like in his forties, he had dreadlocks that were like greying. Uh, and he was like caring and kind and nice to all the other players. And I just had fun with this wholesome character. But I liked Toe Rock. And I liked playing Toe Rock. And um, You know, he, it's just fun playing a wholesome character sometimes. Uh, and one thing I found really fun about that game specifically was that uh, Demon, who was one of the other characters, my friend Demon, I started playing him Dragons with Demon Incursion. Um He played a, hi- uh, a high elf, no, sorry, a wood elf fighter. So we were both level one fighters. And we were so different because of our stats, and because of our gear, and because of the way the fighting styles we had. And it was this immediate, like, sort of eye-opening experience for me, where it was like, fighter was like a class, I didn't really touch all that much, and I was like, oh, fighter is one of the most, like, versatile classes uh, going. It was so cool to, to see two fighters in the party, and both of them be so different, and the the needs of the party, or the, you know, the the... And the, the needs of the party can be met in different ways by these two separate characters who are both the same class, even at level one. That was so cool. Uh, eventually, I switched character, played Titus again. He was like my go to. I just like playing Titus. Didn't quite work as well as I would really have liked. Um, but there was a really cool moment. Uh, and this is where I discovered the absolute nonsense that is uh, in DD 5e. Polar Master and Sentinel. You combine those two feats, and it is game-breaking, to the point where I know a lot of Dungeon Masters who do not allow you to have both of those feats at the same time. Because it essentially allowed me to solo a boss fight. A boss fight designed for all three players that were there to have to work together the beat. I fought him by myself as Titus and defeated him. The other two players fought him without my assistance and were defeated. And it was this moment of the take slash DPS who was Titus was not available. So you have the two players. um, There was a fourth player who didn't make the session. So him not being there. Titus not being in the second fight, and these two players, uh, one was a a rogue, the other was a warlock. The two of them didn't quite match up to this this boss, Uh, so their their DPS and tank not being available, especially because the because as a paladin, I was playing paladin, I was a healer as well, so I couldn't heal them if they got hurt in that fight. So in my, uh, so in my attempt to be egotistical and then succeeding in being egotistical, the rest of the party suffered. Uh, and Part of it was because I had a combination of these abilities as a paladin. So I just kept smiting while using Polar Master and Sentinel to, to mess this guy up. Because this whole guy's thing was he was a martial artist. He was like a monk character. So I would step back. He would get within 10 feet I would use my Sentinel ability and my pole. I would use the combination of my Polar Master ability with Sentinel to hit him and stop him in his tracks. He would be 10 feet away. And I would then hit him again with my second extra attack. Both times I was smiting. Every time I hit, I'd smite to add extra damage, step back further. He would step in, I hit him again with my reaction, and that repeated over and over again until I hit my last smite, and I got a nat 20 on my last roll, and I did enough damage to just completely clear out his hit points. It was really cool for me, not so cool for the rest of the party. Another lesson learned, moments of selfishness like that can sometimes be poor and bad. Also as a dungeon master, in that moment as a dungeon master if i had to go back and criticize my dm at the time having the monk be defeated by even one of these one player just in that moment i would have turned around and gone okay you know what the rest of the party like, is it's the points have been proven. they all get the rewards they they don't have to repeat the fight because now you repeat the fight because you know i'm not going to force a warlock and a rogue to try and take on this, this super tough guy um when the Paladin is no longer available in the fight. Or I would allow Titus to join the fight again. Something like that, right? But just the way it was handled, not as great. And that's the thing, uh, looking back at all these games, I'm realizing how much I've learned through these games, uh, how much I have started to apply to my own games today. One last uh, game I really want to touch on before I get into the games I'm playing at the moment is Belkanan, or Belkanan uh, Returns, or Rise of Suckerblank Uh But... Belkanar was this epic story that I told over two years. The game went for two years. That's the longest any of my games I've uh, played or DM have ever gone. Right? Uh, we had a four-person party, 10 to a three-person party eventually. And I Dragon Ball Z'd myself because we were doing so well with all these characters, with all these arcs, and people were getting into it. And you know, as players and as a dungeon master, we were all evolving and learning and having fun. The game was killed because the la- the last arc that we ran, the last story arc, called the Necropolis Arc, ran for twice as long as every other arc combined. Like, as every other arc combined. It was basically half the game. So before we were jumping from location to location, this epic grand journey fighting the eldritch and demons and undead and going to undiscovered locations and ancient temples and... And, and, and revolutions and all these things happening. And it's, the pace looked right down for an investigation quest that I, mean, I should have cut into a quarter of its size. And the um, the ending was nowhere near as satisfying to people as as it should have been. And I also over relied on one of my players. Um, uh, as a dungeon master, you often rely on a player to help... You know, you tell them some things, you're like, hey, I'm going to do this, this, and that, can you do this? or like use their backstory to help tell your main story. Uh, and eventually, I think it does cause an issue where it's like, well, okay, what are the rest of the players you can hear from? You? This one player is clearly the one you can care about. So that's a lesson I learned there. Um, shortening down that story, learning to read a room. Um, but I would also argue that one of, my, one of the things that I did was that I dared to try an investigation storyline like, to actually investigate go and, and and learn about people go and study them go and go and like you know figure out what's going on in, the, in this in this city and you know try and catch the bad guy so it was something i'd never done before so i in one way i'm really happy with what i did and i'm also really like to look back and go i wish there were a couple things i'd change Belkanan ended after two years, we didn't get to the final part. Part of me almost feels like we could still revisit it eventually. Um so it's in the books. I still have everything I need to, to run the final few sessions of the game. So who knows? I might be able to run Belkanon and actually give that story an ending. Um, but the best part about Belkanon was actually there was a one shot that I ran it was meant to be, and a one-shot in D&D is like single session, one session, right? It was meant to be a one-shot. And it, dev- it evolved into like six sessions. And the idea was it was the revolution of, of uh, Stonehelm. One of my player characters um, was Alaman. Alamon Luft. He was a bard. He was a half-elf. And he had a whole bunch of things with his family. He came from a place called Stonehelm. And uh, Stonehelm recently had its king killed in a raid by the orcs and the king have his son his his banished son returned saying that i have rightful heir to the throne his, the king's banished son returns, saying i am a rightful heir to the throne even though i was banished i have more of a right than my sister my sister is a half elf and it is these dirty non-humans who are at fault what has happened to this great city i'm a full-blooded human Stone Helm was for humans but no one else and it started this this whole you know kicking people out of their homes and sending them to the streets and pushing them out of stonehelm and turning stonehelm into for the human race and for no one else so elves dragonborn halflings you know no whatever they had to be gone so alban luft and his mother uh, who was a full-blooded elf um And a bunch of the non-humans and a bunch of humans who disagreed with this mentality all banded together in a revolution. And the revolution was so much fun for them. And I could not have been happier that we had more sessions doing this because I got to play the bad guy, Amran Barak, who, I will actually say, a previous player from a previous game made Amran Barak as, as his player character, and Amron I was actually gonna have that player come in and play Amran in a future game, in, in this game, have him be a special guest, play the villain, have a player be on the DM side as a villain. Didn't turn out that way. Uh, so if I had permission to still use the character, and he said, yeah, go ahead, sure. Said, great. So I got to take this character and, and, and really um, mess around with uh, someone else's design for this, this game. I actually thought that was a fun little exercise. How do I role play this character that uh, someone else has made in a role played before? How do I copy that? I thought that was a fun exercise and Amron was so fun to play. There was this one moment where Alamon was using to disguise self to, to hide him, and disguise himself as a guard. And he was trying to get, you know, trying to scoop out some information. He walked into a room and the King Amram Barrett was there. And Amorim was smoking his way a cigar. And when he looked past, uh, Alan, dressed as a garden saw him, and went, no, like, you. recognise you? Are you new? Know. He's like, uh, yes, I'm, I'm new. I only just joined. You, you know, uh, times are tough. These
1: uh, revolutionaries, these, uh, these rebels, they you know, stop at nothing to sure this dress. You, are you ready for that? You, are you tough enough to deal
0: this threat? Are you tough enough to defend them? Yeah. Alan, was like, "Yes, I'm. I'm tough enough. I'm strong enough. Really." Um, and he takes a cigar, and you know, thinking that this was chainmail that the guard was wearing, the disguise self makes you look like you're wearing chainmail. It made him look like you're wearing chainmail, but Alan wasn't wearing chainmail, so taking his cigar, he puts it on the guard's chest, and twists it, like to put it out on the chainmail, just to mess with the guard, to sort of tease him, and you know, sort of intimidate him, because Ammon was a terrible person like that. Allerman had to roll a constitution check and just braved it, braved it, just don't make it look. This cigar being put out on my chest, that really hurts. Ammon, his cigar. <laughs> welcome to the winning team kid and then he looks at his assistant folks and they walk off and Alvin walks out and immediately is like <clears throat> drops to the skies, there's a huge burn there, it was a great moment of tension because if Alvin failed at constitution Chef, they would have immediately known something was up so there was this great moment of tension and I, I, I have regrets about the Belkanan Rising game but I have no regrets about the, uh, the Stonehelm Revolution game which they did end up winning they actually won the revolution they they succeeded so yeah that was one of my favorites i i almost want to consider stonehelm revolution a separate game and therefore when the other campaigns are finished uh about six or seven sessions long it was great i loved it that's pretty much all the games worth mentioning from my past. but i have a bunch of games in my present that i'm a part of and i just want to touch base on all those. Uh, i'm dungeon master in two games I've got one game that is a one-on-one campaign called The Unlikely Trio, and that is with me and Demon. Um, Demon uh, is a great player, and I've specifically built this because I really just want to dungeon master and work on this uh, this world that I've been creating and have been expanding upon for years. Like most of my games are set in this same setting, and I love expanding upon and, and, and retconning and, and evolving ideas. And Demon's a perfect player to do that with because he's such a good role player. Uh, But um, for Demon, it also gives him a chance to play some characters that he doesn't really have a chance to play. And a one-on-one campaign like this is actually a lot of fun. Like I I think it's maybe an underrated way to play role-playing games. Is a one-on-one thing, a DM and a player. Uh, Because it opens up a lot of creative opportunities. And I think more people should try it. I think if anyone out there is dungeon mastered or played um, and wants a dungeon master, wants to, wants to play, talk to someone and go, hey, do you want to do a one-on-one game? Because it, it, it does open up a bunch of creative avenues uh, and you can work the game a bit differently uh, and you can be a little more focused uh, with a game like that. And you actually, as a DM, start to learn how to read your player. You start to learn how to read your player character. You know, and if you do it right, your player's going to be invested in their character and their story. And the other thing is that you only need to rely on one other person showing up. <laughs> and you only need to rely on that one player being invested. So it's a one-on-one game. It's, it's very easy to get them invested, is, is, is what I'm trying to get at. So it's easy to get them invested, easy to set up sessions. It changes the dynamic, but it's still d So I'm loving that one-on-one game. Uh, we're about to do the second chapter. I'm working on that. I actually have a, a Word document open right now for that second chapter. Uh, we also have uh, a game called uh, Throw Kalim Mercenary Company. Uh, Throw Demon is the D-E-A-W of for that. It, we have four players in the game uh, and we're playing mercenaries working for a uh, dwarven mercenary company. Uh, and I, <laughs> being a cheeky rascal, decided to play a Drow. Uh, because the, the, the dwarves and the Drow don't get along at all and I thought that'd be fun. Uh her name is Kionil Kilt Deviricae. Um and she is a very
1: soft spoken uh very well presented she's not timid she's just you know, not even stand out she's just very very soft
0: in terms of except she's also a a, a a hunter and a murderer and and merciless when she needs to be and cruel because she's a drow and that's just in this world that's part of our culture is cruelty and she somehow ended up the de facto party leader uh, I'd say that actually I, I, I mean I say that maybe uh, one of my play uh, fellow players from the game might, might see this podcast and go hey we said you were party leader we didn't vote like on that so you know sort an asterisk on the party leader thing uh, but I love playing Keornail. I love the fact I'm playing Ranger for the first time ever. I've never played a Ranger before. And I am now on the side of Ranger is good. It's just that Beastmaster isn't and it's put a very dark stain on the Ranger class uh, forever. (laughs) Um, People are always going to look down on Ranger until they actually play Ranger properly because it is a very good class with a lot of great abilities and consistent damage and i have gotten i think got the most kills out of the party so far uh so yeah this is a party mind you with a paladin um so you know that's a lot of damage from one of the other players yeah i'm loving playing keanu i'm loving this game we're about to enter chapter two of that game as well actually the second part of the game I am also dungeon mastering a a in-person game uh that's been on hiatus, but I love the players in this game. I love the characters they play, and I I really want to start picking up the amount of sessions we do. I originally aimed for once a month, and we just things just kept happening. COVID, obviously, is an issue. Uh, but also uh, you know, one of our players is a uh, a stage performer. They're in they, they they do a bunch of plays. Um, one of my other players used to actually be my boss uh he's a manager at a uh, 24-hour convenience store so he's pretty busy a lot of the time um and my other one of my other players now also a manager at a uh supermarket so like busy again so we have a lot of busy people don't know if I can really increase session times. I need to talk to these guys and go, hey, are you guys like still interested? Because I am. I just it's just really hard to set out sessions. Sorry. <laughs> uh but I love their player, love those players, love them as people, love them as players, and I love their characters. So I really do hope we can get some more sessions in, because it is left to know uh, you know we've got so much that we we've, we've still got to do so much left playing in that game got a game coming up run by uh, a different friend and it's a goblin only game we're all playing goblins i've never played a game before but we all have to play one class or one race so we're all playing goblins you know, i've made a character called Gorox the uncle and i love Gorox. the whole idea is he he, he used to be a little timid goblin named Pebbles,
1: and Pebbles was like a, 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 a you know, he did, he was afraid of the other goblins because they were so much bigger than him, and he was bossed around and told to do things, Pebbles go fetch the drinks, Pebbles go do this, and eventually he, he just he just wanted to be treated with respect, so, so Pebbles, he went out one day looking for treasure, thinking he brought, brought back some nice shinies, others he would be treated with respect and that didn't quite happen because what happened was pebbles found a very special shiny in the wild in his old sunken it touched touches and it shocked him and pebbles pebbles was lying on the ground and he he went to sleep and in his place stood a Gorox was not a timid goblin. He did not walk with a hunched
0: back. He was not frightened. Gorox returned to the other goblins. And they knew something was wrong. He was changed. He was corrupted. He was poisoned. But they didn't quite have a word to describe it, so they simply took to calling him something something they whispered. Hissed under the
1: breath. Sort of look unclean, unclean,
0: he is unclean. I'm really going to enjoy playing him. No sessions have been set in so stone yet. We've only really just finished making our characters, but I'm so excited to play him. And that, all of that, is a very, you know, like a semi detailed rundown of my 15 years of playing Dungeons and Dragons. It's been a lot. Uh, and I have loved just about every moment of it. There have been some bad, you know, moments, games, ending relations, arguments between friends, uh, but ultimately everything that has happened, I wouldn't really necessarily change. Like I know there's some things I could go back and go, hey, you kind of don't do that, stop that, bad DMing. Um But I only know these things now because I made the mistakes as both a player and a dungeon master or saw other players and dungeon masters making it. And I suppose uh, I guess in that sense, maybe a mould to be taken from uh, this uh, this collection of stories is one don't take the games too seriously. Obviously, you know, put effort into it. You know, you, especially if you're you know if you're a player and your dungeon master is putting us time and effort into making these games, put some effort into it for your dungeon master. Make up for the effort that they are that they are putting into it. Um, but, like, don't take it so seriously that it starts to become a chore or a hassle or no longer fun. But more importantly, don't be afraid to make mistakes as either a DM or a player. And don't get flustered if you do. There's, you're human. And this is a thing where you're doing things on the fly. Like, Dungeons & Dragons can be stuff just constantly happening around you, especially if you're a dungeon master where you are constantly having to manage multiple players. You can... Make mistakes and games will not be ruined. You can, you can flub storytelling elements and the story will still be good, you know, going forward. As a player, you can make a decision that you don't feel was quite right for your character or for the, the party or the story or whatever. Make those decisions, make those mistakes, learn from them. Don't be like, ah, oh, the game is ruined forever. You know, just just learn. Um, communicate with your fellow players and your dungeon master. Uh, always remember that the dungeon master is a player as well. He he or she is there to have fun. So your dungeon master is also there to enjoy themselves. So don't treat them poorly or or like you know any separately from the players. Communicate with them like you would your players. Dungeon masters communicate with players like you would if you were a player. And just have fun. Just enjoy the game. Um, you know, everyone enjoys d and for a different reason. I like storytelling. So I enjoy sessions where I get to do character-driven storytelling. If a, if a session of d is me and my fellow players sitting around a campfire, just talking for three hours, I will happily do that because I enjoy the character storytelling. Because that campfire session where we share our life stories and learn about each other, is going to make the three sessions time where one of my fellow players, his character is about to die, it's gonna make that feel so much more important. Because I know what that character's been through. And I know that my character feels a connection with that. So I'm gonna put my life on the line to save them. And it makes their you know, character death important. It makes um, survival feel more important. It makes the the story feel more impactful. And, you know, then if you as a player, and this is is, um, something I feel like it's important, if you and a fellow player's character, if your two characters get along and they like each other, and then this character here has an emotional character-driven plot point that includes their backstory, that's going to matter to them. It's also going to matter to you because you are invested in this character and this player. So you're invested in this as well. So i feel like it's really important to remember to invest yourself in other players as well uh there's so much i could talk about i could go so so much longer talking about this uh but i think i'll actually end it uh, there uh there's plenty of time for me to talk about dungeons and dragons and role playing games further in the future uh so many stories that I could tell that will come to my brain after I finish recording and go, oh, I should have shared that story. Um, but this is just a little peek into this wild, wonderful world that I have formed in my life. Uh, without going into the gruesome detail that I uh, really actually like doing as both a player and a dungeon master. So thank you for joining me today. I hope that these stories I regaled you with were entertaining. I hope maybe some of my stories, even uh, if you are interested in playing Dungeons and Dragons or all that do and, you know, uh, there are certain things I've said here that maybe resonate with you, I, you know, that's good, I hope. I hope maybe I've, I've said something to the end here that makes you go, oh, you know what, that's true. I might consider that moving into my next story. And if you do play Dungeons and Dragons or any other role-playing game for that matter, let me know, comment in this video. I would love to hear your stories. I would love to hear about people's experiences the good and even the bad i would love to to, to hear about people's uh, role-playing games and their characters and their stories and their lore it, it, it gives me life it's something i love doing so please if you do comment down below let me know tell me and i will absolutely reply to you because I, I i live for this sort of thing uh, and you know what, if you don't, and you don't wish to comment, that's fine. I'm, I'm glad you joined today. I'm glad you came along for this journey. So, I don't really think I have anything else to say. Except, uh, well, it's sad to see you go, traveller. But uh, thank you for uh, staying at the Champion's Way Tavern. I uh, hope you have safe travels, and uh, you find uh, good food, riches, and a warm bed by the end of your day. Take care of so. yourself.
1: This is warm ginger ale, and it tastes strange. It's been here, it's been here for a while. It's-